Helpling show and it's March 2019. So uh, as you all know, in March we have St. Patrick's Day or Paddy's Day, which is a celebration of what it means to be Irish and all things Irish. And uh, that is celebrated all across the globe. We wanted to talk uh, this month then about basically how we support our citizens when they are living abroad and also how we support them when they are returning home because there is definitely a change in the past few years uh, whereas from 2007 up to maybe 2014 it was all kind of going the other way the Irish were leaving our shores and um, heading off to foreign climes and now there is a slight reverse of that which is great to hear that we've got some of our, our citizens coming home returning home to us yeah I just wanted to kind of have a look at what we're doing for our citizens when they do go abroad and when they come home. So I'm going to be talking with three organisations that we actually partner with in HelpLink. That's uh, Safe Home Ireland, Cross Care Migrant Project, and also the Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas. Basically, we're going to talk to them about their work, what they do, what's out there for them, what their experiences are working with the Irish abroad and returning Irish. And as uh, some of you might know, HelpLink provides uh, free online counselling to Irish people living abroad and do this on a global scale, um, seven days a week. Um, so basically, if you're living abroad and you're Irish and you've got a current Irish passport, you can get up to six free counselling appointments online with a culturally sensitive counsellor. Now there's a lot of research behind that, why this actually works, um, because when you are living abroad it can also, the research would show that you're less likely to engage with mental health services and counselling services due to maybe fears around lack of understanding or lack of communication, even within Western worlds um, where people are, Irish people are. So the research showed, showed that and we were looking at this for, um, oh, about nine months in 2015, uh, 2016, we found that there was definitely a need out there to support our citizens when they're living abroad. Um, so we started that service in 2016 and it went global in 2018. Just this year, we partnered with uh, Safe Home Ireland and with the Irish Council for Prisoners of Overseas uh, and also with Cross Care Migrant Project. All these three very worthy organizations are helping Irish people all over the world and when they return home. So what we do now within the counseling service, we also provide free six uh, sessions online for Irish people that have returned. And then we work with our partner organizations that I mentioned earlier there to get these referrals. And people can also self-refer, of course, as well. So today we wanted to, to talk about everything that's kind of uh, out there support-wise, well, as much as we can get into the show anyway, support-wise for Irish people living abroad and at home. Now we have Richard King from the Crosscare Migrant Project. He is the project leader manager there, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit uh, about what is going on with Crosscare Migrant Project and how they support uh, the Irish diaspora all over the world. So, Richard, thanks a million for coming on to the Helpling Show. 
Thank you very much, Lachlan. Delighted to uh, to speak to you and to your listeners, wherever they might be. Excellent. Yes. Uh, so, um, just with regards to wherever they might be, um, we have some great news on the Help and Show. Um, today, we're um, starting to um, provide the show on Irish Radio Canada as well. So, we're definitely going international. And um, that's part of the reason uh, why we're doing the show today. As I mentioned earlier on, we're going to be looking at how organizations from Ireland are supporting supporting uh, our citizens while they are abroad and also when they're returning home. So, uh, Richard, if you can tell me a little bit about CrossCare Migrant Project. Absolutely. Well, we've been around for a long time. Uh, we were originally locked on a uh, project of the Dublin Archdiocese. We were set up sometime in the 1940s, uh, working with people leaving Ireland and going very much to the UK at that stage. Ah. But in the 1980s, specifically 1987, uh, at the, the height of, of people leaving the country, and the U.S., of course, was a big destination then. We were established as Emigrant Advice, and some of your listeners might remember that name. We've been working out of our office in Dublin 1 for over 30 years now, okay. and uh, we, we, look, we, we aim to work with, with emigrants in, in any situation, and really, mm. we're talking about people thinking about leaving, even people who have left, people who are thinking about coming home, mm. and of course, people who've come back to Ireland, and increasingly... That's a very large part of our work uh, because we're based in Ireland and we can help them when they're here. Mm. We're focusing on that now. Okay. So, um, yeah, so uh, uh, you've been around for quite a while uh, supporting people as, uh, as they left. And um, as you mentioned there, um, one of the kind of big areas that is kind of more in, let's say, the media, social media and the news lately is the fact that people are starting to come back to Ireland. Um, and uh, what kind of uh, supports are you providing for those who are returning uh, to Ireland? So one of the big things that we're always interested in doing is making sure that any person or family or, or group who are thinking of a, an immigration decision uh, are making it with the right information and uh, it's the best thing for them. So in one sense, we've no official opinion on immigration, whether it's a good or a bad thing. Mm. One way we don't support it or not support it, but we're interested just in how the people involved get on. So information is always the first thing, the right information, the right planning. And for some people, they're coming back in maybe crisis or urgent situations, and we appreciate, of course, that it might be very difficult to plan that in advance. Um, mm. So while we have our, our, our online resources at migrantproject.ie with a huge swathe of information on useful things for anyone coming back, like uh, stuff around jobs, education, social welfare, schools, all that type of stuff. Mm. Uh, when we actually meet people ourselves and work work with them, often it's people are in a little bit of a trickier situation. So you might have people coming back who uh, have had to come back quite urgently or have left a, a bad situation or a bereavement or something abroad mm. and they're coming back with not that much planning. Okay. And we'd be very strong in helping them around things like getting access if they need it to social welfare. If, and some people are homeless, we work mm. with the homeless services to try and get them uh, accommodated. Uh, we try and make sure they're linked in with health supports. If there's family members or kids, um, we, we might not do all of the work, but we'll definitely get them to the people who can help them right. uh, around getting kids into school, any of that type of stuff. Mm. Um, one area that we're doing a lot of work in the moment as well is as, as the demographic of, of people abroad, Irish abroad has changed and, and as the demographic of people coming home has changed, uh, we're finding there's lots of people coming back with family members who are not originally Irish. 
and uh, you know that this is the, the changing nature of, of of the diaspora. We've lots of people who left maybe back in the last outpouring in the you know 2009, 2010, 11. Mm-hmm. They've met people abroad. They're coming back from Australia or Canada or mm-hmm. wherever it might be, and they want their partner or their spouse or family member to come and live in Ireland and that's something we're doing a lot of work on at the moment because it can be a little bit tricky and people need guidance and help dealing with the immigration services here. So uh, back to your original question, it's information primarily but then it's help and support where where needed and social welfare, the family members who are non-EU and and housing and homelessness are really big focus areas for us and we'd, we'd be very involved with people working around that. Okay. Um, fascinating stuff. I mean, I think uh, I remember uh, reading something about it. even like driving licenses are a thing that people just don't even think about uh, when they're coming back, that their, their license might be out of date or they never got a license and they figured that their UK license would be fine over here and that kind of thing. And little small things that you just wouldn't even think about, insurance, health insurance, all these kind of things that are, are, are problems that are, are they could possibly be problems for people if they're not... Um, if they're not organized enough or if they have to come back quickly, as you were saying there, yeah. Yeah, yeah very much so. There's, there's so many things about a move back home, and the longer you've been away, the more stuff there is. Mm. Um, you know, thinking about what the move back home is like, we've met a lot of people who've come back from, from abroad, obviously, over many, many years, and increasingly we're thinking about it and talking about it with people to, to say some look, consider like you're emigrating again and we know you're coming back home and you should feel like you're coming home but in terms of what it can be like as a practical experience and even an emotional experience you need to think of it as a big move because if someone is going to another country they're doing their research they're checking out everything going can i drive there can i get insurance what's the housing market like what's the job markets like uh you know will my qualifications be recognized and not everyone has the same assumptions about coming back to Ireland and the longer someone's been away the more all those things matter mm. uh, and, and preparation yes is, is certainly a huge one but there are there are some barriers and, and okay. for a number of years people were finding things like getting car insurance really really difficult having to pay huge uh, huge prices for their policies and mm. uh, there's been there's been a little bit of work. Some insurers are getting on board now and going. Actually, there might be a market here. We'll recognise your your foreign experience driving. Mm-hmm. Um, driving license is the same for the moment. A UK one is is, is great and it's no problems. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of US driving licences. I okay. think nearly nearly everyone will need to reset the test here yeah. and, and sit some lessons. And um, for someone who's been driving for yeah. five, ten, or 40 years, yeah. uh, it's not great news here and they have to do a driving test, but yeah. it's certainly something to think about and plan for. Yeah. So uh, you also, um, uh, uh, we're talking about returning Irish immigrants right now, but you also do a lot of work outside of that, uh, outside of the country, with uh, working with uh, other sport organizations uh, across the world. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how, what you've been doing for the past few years when it comes to uh, abroad, supporting the Irish abroad? Yeah, well, I suppose we're always about the, as I said earlier, the individual's experience. And a big part of that is uh, how they get on when they've left the country. Now, we can't be there to help them or work with them Mm. when they're in Abu Dhabi or Indonesia or Canada or Australia. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's loads of amazing and wonderful Irish support groups, some of them completely voluntary, some of them, uh, you know, with lots of staff members Mm. uh, supported in many cases like ourselves by the Department of Foreign Affairs Mm. Emigrant Support Programme and 
we, we've been reaching out to those groups for a number of years for, for a number of different purposes. So, um, number one, we needed to find out and we needed to see uh, what is out there for people who are leaving and, and, and what supports can be there. But we also realized that there is uh, as much a need from those groups uh, for support around, uh, you know, people coming back home too. Mm. And, and also good practice. And we found like there, you could have amazing work going on with a, a group in Sydney that maybe it would be good to, you know, replicate that in some other country. And we've been trying to showcase through our newsletters uh, you know, really good, innovative new projects. Um, okay. Things like, uh, you know, I'm trying to recall now, there's so many of them, but yeah. uh, there's some lovely ones in the UK, uh, you know, yeah. um, uh, lunch outreach sessions in a local pub or restaurant with, with older people in an area. Right. There's been, um, you know, meetings between young people and, 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 and older people in groups in Australia trying to cross that sort of inter intergenerational divide. Sure. Um, and yeah. we've been doing some of that showcasing, which has, been, which has been really great. But what we've also been doing is working with groups who are now responding to this return, this increase in people going back to Ireland mm. and trying to offer them support about what's going to happen mm. in Ireland for those people and how we can help them. So we're, we're, we're doing training online with groups over in the U.S. just before Christmas, and it was about the Irish social welfare and related systems, so they would know if they're talking to people, look, here's what you need to know to prepare, okay. and they know about us, and they know that you know, we're a place that we're happy to take referrals and, and, and work with people. So yeah. a lot of it is relationship building as well, that yeah. this, this amazing network of diaspora groups, um, all of whom are working with people on, on the front line face-to-face, -face yeah. and, and building up those relationships so they know we're all groups who can trust and support each other mm. and the ultimate aim of course has been that the people we work with in whatever country that might be you know members of the diaspora they get the benefit of our combined experience and expertise mm. uh, and, that, and that's the end game the end game is for uh, you know people who are who, who have emigrated or are thinking of coming back to get whatever supports they need in, in, in the best way possible okay Okay, well, a lot of work going on there for you. Um, uh, one, uh, yeah, one of the things that you mentioned there is, is uh, working with others and that kind of thing, and, and I suppose that was part of the reason why um, we wanted yourselves and Safe Home Ireland and the Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas on for this show um, was because uh, Helplink itself uh, started providing um, uh, emotional support counselling sessions uh, to returning immigrants uh, last month, um, and we're doing that uh, in, in collaboration with yourselves uh, and the other two um, organisations I mentioned there. Um, that is the kind of uh, thing that, uh, I mean, right across the, the charity sector in Ireland, they're constantly been, uh, in, in the past, say, 10 years or so, they're constantly talking about how we need to get uh, organisations to start working more together. And in fairness, you guys have been doing that for 30 years. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing new to yourselves, so it's, it's really good to have a, a, a stalwart like yourselves um, um, supporting and working with organisations like us. Um, so just to, for, for, the, for the public out there, um, if, if people want to get in contact, um, are, are already in contact with uh, Cross Care Migrant Project, they can also be referred into Helplink for some emotional support on their return home. Um, so that's really good stuff going on there. Um, 
And uh, so the year ahead, um, is there many plans for, I know you've been doing lots of research projects over the past couple of years. And in fact, we have some of those projects um, uh, listed on our website, um, which is very, very, very interesting and, and useful information for people. Um, do you have a similar survey or research project going on now? Or? We've always loads of plans, mm. loads of new things, and, and it's, ex it's exciting times. I mean, they're, they're certainly stressful and worrying times for lots of people mm. with, with Brexit and the uh, you know, question marks around the, the U.S. immigration's mm. policy or, or the U.S. Uh, administration's policy, excuse me, on um, you know, the undocumented. Yes. Uh, but which, which I might just mention briefly that the, the, the initiative that, that we're running with you, or rather that you are running and, and, and supporting us at Lachlan to, yeah. to get, um, you know, mental health, I suppose, and emotional well-being support is really important mm. because, like I said earlier, this, this thing about coming home is, it can be for some people uh, as tough a move as moving to a different country and mm. sometimes even harder, mm. you know, and uh, it's something that we've been increasingly aware of and, 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 and need to be better with in understanding that it's not just enough to say, well, you're home now. Yeah. and uh, yeah. everything will be fine but to recognize that actually it can be very hard people's lives move on their friends and family networks have changed mm. and you know that's so, so so that's something where we're, we're always interested in and, and, and you mentioned new initiatives this is one of them it's just started and we're, we're delighted to be partnering with you and yeah. with the icp on safe home uh, on that and, and i think it'll be it'll be a really great resource for people and yeah. um, we are doing research as well we are doing a piece of research this year into crisis returns, which I mentioned briefly earlier. Yeah. Now, we talk about crisis returns. We mean where someone is coming back and, it's, and it is uh, unplanned or, or forced or whatever it might be. And mm -hmm. that can be cases of, you know, in, in some countries fleeing conflict. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's quite a large group of Irish citizens living in Libya, for example, and, and oh. it's not an easy situation there. Yeah. Um, people you know, coming back, maybe having family breakdowns, sometimes domestic violence, or people who have experienced homelessness abroad or are being deported, all these types of things where someone comes back uh, and, and, and it's not, you know, a, a really clearly well-planned return sure. um, for, for a circumstance outside their control. Yeah. That's, that's a big focus for us. Um, we're pursuing policy work as well. Two items that we've done a lot of work on and we're really going to be pushing hard on this year. One is social welfare for Irish immigrants who come back who are in need of it. Mm. We're trying to get this, this famous habitual residence condition um, that, that has caused problems for lots of oh, uh, people and, and, and people will be worried about it. It's basically where someone needs to be assessed that they are habitually resident in Ireland. And uh, for someone returning home, it can just pose some barriers sometimes because the, the system was never really originally designed for Irish people coming back. Okay. Um, and, and, and we find, you know, people, especially people who are coming back, um, maybe without tons of documentation or, 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 or have to come back quite urgently, they, they can have difficulties dealing with it. Um, we're just looking at it to be implemented in, in, in a kind of clearer, neater way so that it causes fewer barriers for people because okay. the reality is the majority of people will satisfy it and will be able to get social welfare support, but it's an item that's of a lot of concern to people. Okay. And the second one is for family members, non-EU family members, especially partners of Irish citizens, to try and speed up the process right. they can get registered in Ireland. And these are, 
these are the sort of things that people worry about very rightly sure, um, yeah. very rightly rather uh, if they're coming back with a with someone they they want to know that their partner can start work immediately you know or can set up a business and um, they're, they're barriers that have been recognized certainly in the government report and have been something featuring in our face-to-face work for years mm. um, so we're, we're, we're really trying to, to lobby on, on people's behalf for those issues and as ever we're going to keep on with all our information resources they get updated endlessly and constantly Mm. there'll be lots of new topical information uh, information fact sheets and uh, items on our website Um, Mm. we're going to do training with as many Irish groups abroad as we can Uh, my colleagues were just over in London there last week uh, with the um, London Irish Centre and Irish in Britain and Safe Home doing, doing a session for the Irish support groups there, right. uh, kind of doing a little bit of Brexit preparation, not that we know what yeah. the outcome will be, but yeah. just doing that work. So yeah. Yeah. lots and lots of interesting and exciting things and, and I suppose most importantly uh, as ever we'll be there for anyone who needs our help. Uh, you know, our doors are open and we're always willing to help and support and, and anyone who wants to get in contact with us please do yes, uh, make that contact. Yeah, you know? So do you have uh, websites and phone numbers there? For we sure do. Well, we're on migrantproject.ie, mm-hmm. and uh, if anyone wants to, to ring in, of course, we've, we've, we've a number. It's 01 Dublin code 873-2844, and you'll find us on Facebook and Twitter and on Instagram as well, or on LinkedIn rather, not Instagram yet. Um, Irish Migrants is our is our Twitter handle and Crosscare Migrant Project for Facebook. And you can message us if you like. You can get in touch whatever way you find us. We're 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 we're, we're freely searchable on Google, and, and you should get contact details. So, but th- that's really the main thing. If we can help, we absolutely will. If we can't. We'll do our best to find the right person who will. That can have that, yeah. yeah Perfect exactly. our organization. That's fantastic stuff there, uh, Richard. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, hopefully uh, more people will be able to hear about what your the brilliant services you guys are providing. And um, yeah, the best of luck with the year ahead. And uh, thanks again. Great. Thanks so much, Lachlan. No problem. All the best. So uh, now we have Karen McHugh, who is the Chief Executive Officer of uh, Safe Home Ireland. Uh, thanks to me and Karen for coming on, and uh, we're really looking forward to learning a lot more about Safe Home Ireland. Thank you for having me too. That's our pleasure. Um, so, uh, Safe Home uh, Ireland, why, why did it start and uh, when did it start? Okay, Safe Home Ireland was set up in 2000 and it was initially set up as a small pilot project in County Mayo in Mulroney mm-hmm. for returning immigrants to that particular area. Mm. And due to the level of interest and demand right across Ireland and globally, the organisation in 2002 became a national organisation mm-hmm. and we became incorporated as a charity as a company at that point. Okay. Uh, so as a, as a, non, a CLG and non-profit company? Is it We're right? a CLG, yeah. not-for-profit, yes. Yeah. Um, and the, so the, the, when you say it was set up <coughs> for uh, returning uh, immigrants, uh, in what way was it to the, was the pilot? What was the, what was the objective of the pilot? Let's say. Okay. Well, at that time, our founder, which is uh, Dr. Jerry Cowley, 
He is a local rural GP and he was being approached by a lot of local people about their relatives abroad, wondering if there was any way that we could they could get them home. And I suppose at that particular time, he, with another number of local people, decided to do something about it. So they um, built a little small housing scheme in Mulrani called Mulrani Day Centre, and it specifically was for older Irish-born immigrants abroad right. who wanted to come back to Mulrani. So it was very much a Mulrani project for the first year mm. where returning Irish-born immigrants came back who were from that area and who came back to be close to their family. Okay. Uh, now that broadened and expanded obviously now to a national and global organisation. So that was uh, really about uh, making sure they had a roof over their heads really when they got home kind of thing or to support them in that yeah. way? Was that yes. Initially anyway. Well initially it was about to, to come back to secure accommodation yeah. and I suppose the accommodation is the most important mm. and not everyone is able to come back to their extended family here and also people who've lived abroad or anybody uh, as you get older you want your own self-contained independent house and you don't want to be yeah. what people would say a burden to others yeah. uh, so yeah. that worked really really well yeah. and then the next move was then to, to make this on a national scale. Yeah, yeah, our, yeah, the next move was responding to the demand. Okay. And in 2001, uh, back uh, before my time, a number of the board members and uh, workers at the time met with the Department of Environment to look at how it would be possible to enshrine, as was in legislation, the rights for Irish-born older immigrants to return home to accommodation. So that uh, was an amendment to the capital assistance scheme. Hmm. And what that meant was it was enshrined that any person born abroad, born in Ireland, hmm. who lived abroad, who were over a certain age, could come back to live in Ireland. Okay. Now, that sounds very straightforward now, uh, but the process has become more and more complex and bureaucratic as the years have gone by. Right. So we negotiated at the time, it was for Irish-born people aged 57 plus mm -hmm. who were able to live independently and who did not have the means to provide accommodation in their own right, i.e. Mm -hmm. buy or purchase themselves. Okay. So they had to fit certain criteria. Yeah. Uh, back in those days, uh, we worked with all the housing associations right across the country mm. and we were able to uh, and they were able to provide uh, nominations to us because they would be funders under the capital assistance scheme grant okay. so there were a number of uh, places where they could allocate specifically to returning immigrants right. so that worked very well and it's still working well to some extent however the whole situation now is, is a little bit more bureaucratic okay. so uh, what people now have to do is they have to apply to us and they also have to complete uh, the local council housing application form as well, mm -hmm. plus fit a number of, tick a number of other boxes. So it's a little bit more time consuming, a little bit more bureaucratic mm -hmm. and obviously we work with people right throughout that process. Right. Um, so that's just one part of our work, the mm -hmm. housing and older um, Irish returning. Okay, and uh, just uh, um, uh, I suppose uh, out of curiosity, then um, when uh, when somebody is uh, that's I presume that's in a kind of an organised fashion. It's not maybe a crisis situation. Yeah. Then it, it's generally in an organised fashion. So somebody's planning and coming home, so they get in contact with you, and then they go through this whole process. That's right. Um, is there support for? People, because uh, I was just talking uh, um, uh, with uh, with uh, Richard from Crosscare there, and he was saying one of the biggest um, issues for um, 
uh, now is, uh, and presumably it was a little bit back then, was actually kind of crisis returns mm-hmm. or emergency returns. Are, are, would they would they fit into that? Or oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How does that work? I mean, Safe Home, that's just one element of our work is housing. Okay. So Safe Home Ireland, which is an immigrant support service, we have four pillars to our work. Okay. Uh, the first pillar that I just spoke about is the housing. Mm-hmm. And that is housing for... A just a certain cohort and it is planned and it is time consuming and it is over a process. Mm. Uh, that's one element only of our work. Okay. The other elements are, are information and advice. So we provide information and advice to anybody regardless of age, circumstances, income level, etc. right across the world on issues from A to Z. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, I suppose we have a lot of inquiries through web, a lot of web inquiries, Facebook, Messenger inquiries, uh, and some through Twitter and other social media. And that can involve people who are planning to return or thinking about coming back. Okay. Um, obviously, it also involves crisis returns. Okay. Um, we would be seeing a lot of people who either are coming back in a situation that's quite difficult. Okay. Um, so that's a second element which I'll come back to. Mm. But the other element is our outreach and okay. our home visits. So that's something that's unique to Safe Home. Mm. We are a national organisation. Uh, we are based in four locations throughout Ireland okay. and we do outreach to the 26 counties. And can you describe to me what, what you mean by yeah, outreach? So what outreach means is to either somebody who's come, ba- come back to a planned um, let's say the person who comes back through housing, through Safe Home, we will meet with that person within a couple of days of them returning and go through the whole, support them in the whole process of the form filling, the reintegration, the resettlement back home, connecting with services, etc. It also involves meeting with people who come back in crisis situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will get referrals from uh, others. Citizens Information, the ICPO, Crosscare, etc. Because yeah. it's unique to us, our outreach. No other yeah. organisation visits people throughout the country. Yeah. So it is, it is a really important service that mm. we, we obviously are keen to promote as widely as possible. Yeah. Uh, so somebody may come back in a crisis situation to any county in Ireland, we will be with them within the next couple of days, pending <coughs> our work capacity. Yeah. Um, however, it's we've generally been able to do that. So mm-hmm. somebody who's come back, let's say, um, to Cork in an emergency crisis situation, uh, living with family, um, having quite a difficult situation around family relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will be working with that person around all the issues be it accessing their entitlements uh, through either child benefit or uh, social welfare entitlements, Mm -hmm. trying to work with them to secure housing, trying to connect them with services, uh, just thinking of that one in particular, Mm -hmm. where there are disability issues around childcare, uh, connecting them maybe with counselling services as well, Mm -hmm. and that's where it's been great to link in with uh, yourselves and HelpLink for the online counselling. and just the emotional support yeah. of returning. Some return plans, some return because they choose to return, some return because they don't have choices or mm. don't have options, and others return because they're forced to return. And I suppose so it doesn't really matter which way they're returning, there's still going to be a cultural shock to them, even though they, they maybe have this impression um, 
that they're going to return back to this Ireland that was there when they left. Mm-hmm. And in fairness, the Ireland that has changed so much, just even the past five, ten years, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a culture shock. doesn't matter whether you're planned or not. It's, it's going That's to be right. elements of it that are going to be a bit of a shock to you. And it's great to have a support like yourselves, yes. like yourselves around them for people like that. Mm-hmm. Especially if they as you said, mentioned earlier, there might be some family issues with coming back as well. Um, at the end of the day, you're coming back into a situation where people are in a stable environment mm. and uh, it's it's all changes always can always be it can be an opportunity mm. but it can also be a crisis as well like yeah, yeah. um so uh so the uh, from the, uh, the outreach side of things that that's really really good and, and that's uh, that's throughout the counties that is throughout the 26 counties and Great. even in the six counties as well because mm. we we um oh, also with we, we do information clinics uh, mm. in the UK. Yeah. We're not uh, financially in a position to travel any further than sure. the UK. Yeah. So we do information clinics for individuals returning. Mm. We also do information clinics for agencies. So last week we partnered with Crosscare Migrant Project with the Irish in Britain and the London Irish Centre yeah. to run an information session for organisations who work with those who are considering returning. Ah. Uh, we're planning to do another one uh, later in the year up in the north. And in the Midlands or the north where we have to... Dis- to confirm the venue, yes, mm. I'm not in a position to say that at the sure, moment, sure. and that would be for organisations. Uh, we will also be doing a number of information clinics in the UK for um, individuals. We have one planned in Luton in June, and mm. we are looking to do others in the north and in London mm. uh, in the coming months as well, between now and June. Right. And that's particularly for anybody who is thinking about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's really important, we cannot stress it as much as possible, to plan and do your homework first mm. and you know f- it's a huge decision I'm a twice returned immigrant myself mm-hmm. so I know what it's like I yeah. came back and I wasn't able to settle the first time for various reasons I left mm. and came back again yeah. uh, so I know what the process um, and I would certainly state it is about a new immigration experience mm. uh, while you say and everyone says Ireland has changed a lot the person who left has changed a lot. And I think that is more critical because that person that left is not the person coming back. Mm. So there's a lot of reconnections to be developed, both in terms of your your new self um, that you're trying to reintegrate back where you've moved on and and the Ireland that has changed. So, Mm. you know, it's, it's... it's a challenging process, and I suppose our outreach support service is critical in that we work with part anybody along that journey, be it the crisis return or be it the planned return, mm-hmm. because it is a reintegration process, and it, there are many steps involved. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of it as much of that side of things. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, kind of thinking, like, oh, okay, well, people are coming back, and they have to try and reintegrate back in society. But at the same time, society has to... We integrate with them as well. Yes, exactly. And the other way, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I suppose we have found um, this last year in particular a number of people returning from the States, mm. and it's uh, maybe undocumented returning, okay. some who may have been deported, right. um, however, others who were forced to come back in some realm of the, the topic yeah. uh, in that their health deteriorated. Okay. They've been working all their lives paying for their, their taxes and healthcare mm. and have used all their savings with their healthcare and have not really any alternative but to return. Okay. Uh, so that's a difficult situation wow, as well yeah. for the person. Mm. Uh, we had a number of those mm. last year mm. and we will visit somebody it might be once and it might be 20 times we do not have a time limit and we do not have a set number of visits Um, I'm a social worker myself by background and I always worked with 
you know, X number of sessions review, another yeah. X number of sessions yeah. review, I feel um, that there, while it's important to have some kind of a structure and it's also important that we do withdraw, um, that is different for everyone. Yes, exactly. And, you know, yeah. it's very much client-led and it's client-centred and client-focused. So right. um, it's some person really only needs to see us once okay. and all they need is just some guidelines, some signposting mm. um, and can get on with the rest of it themselves mm. whereas others just struggle that bit more yeah. and uh, yeah. do not know where to go or because of their capacities, be it health or be it with childcare issues, just need that little bit of extra support mm. um, and this, I suppose the support in building their confidence that uh, that you know they can do do it in time as well. So mm -hmm. we we try and work with the person on their journey as well, yeah. and we always work towards withdrawing. Yeah. And uh, however, saying that, often years later somebody will make contact with us uh, mm. about an issue. Uh, sometimes it's appropriate for us to say we can do it. Other times, yeah. um, we say it's important to engage with a local service. So yeah. it's. It's not defined. We don't define it specifically. We work yeah. with what we feel is the most appropriate at that particular time. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. Um, can, um, tell me this. Uh, do you have any plans for the year? I know you mentioned you're going to do a couple of uh, information sessions, but uh, are there any other maybe projects or plans you have on the horizon that you want to talk about? Um, we are, yes, the information sessions across the UK. Mm -hmm. We did a couple of webinars with US groups last year. We'll, we will uh, try and work towards doing more of those, and it's it's just really around planning returning um, so they have the information tools. Yeah. Um, we are um, through funding through the Bishops Conference, mm. we were we are in the process of updating our website. Okay. Um, we are also we have a information fact sheets on range of topics. Okay. So we're also working updating those at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, they are available directly from our office for anybody who is interested. Um, we have over 300 housing schemes on our list, mm -hmm. and they are housing bodies right around the country who will accept. Um, either returning immigrants or housing associations so we're updating that list at the moment right. uh, and visiting all the schemes. Okay. Um, we're also doing, uh, through funding through the Community Foundation, it's a very, very small survey of returnees. Okay. So we are ha have already uh, done about 30 surveys mm -hmm. uh, looking at the experience of returnees, what, how it was for them and see how we can learn and document for others who are returning. Uh, so that's something also we're working on. And uh, if somebody has returned recently um, and they want to get involved with that kind of a survey or the, the other services, um, how would they get in contact with you? They get in contact with us on our, uh, through our website at www.safeonmarland.com. Uh, our telephone number is plus 353 36036 mm -hmm. um, and info at safeomireland.com email okay. and we're on Twitter we're on Facebook we're on LinkedIn we're not hugely tech savvy with LinkedIn but we're there yeah. um, and we are we have we're, we're in all locations so yeah. you know we, we're pretty much accessible that's brilliant stuff listen thank you so much I mean I just one of the things before I let you go actually is that uh, we, I just uh, mentioned earlier at the intro there that one of the things that we were talking about partnership and what we've done 
with um, yourselves and the Crosscare Migrant Project and uh, with the Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas is we've just extended the HelpLink um, counselling service for the Irish abroad to returning uh, immigrants. So it's just fantastic and I just want to say a very big thank you to yourselves as well for partnering with us on that and uh, we'll hopefully we'll be go forward and, and, and provide as much support as possible for people in the future. Yeah, we're um, delighted and it's, yeah. it's been fantastic for us to partner because we already have made a few referrals yeah. and have advertised it widely so yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic and if that's what it's all about is partnership and working together yeah. uh, none of us duplicate each yeah. other's services and how we can support each other yeah. uh, to ensure that the returning is the best possible returning experience is, is you know our objective. Exactly so um, uh, that's brilliant. I uh, thank you so much Karen for coming on uh, to the show and uh, best of luck with the work with the year ahead and, and the years ahead and uh, uh, yeah thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Now we have Kira Karan from the Irish Council of Prisoners Overseas to talk to us about their work. Hi, Kira. How's it going? Hi there. That's great to have you on. And uh, yeah, so, Kira, what what is it that you uh, do within um, the ICPO? We're going to talk. Well, our organisation works with prisoners and families who are overseas, so Irish people who are basically detained abroad. Um, mm. Listeners might be kind of surprised to know there's about 1,200 Irish people in prison around the world. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, the majority of, of that 1,200 would be in England, but I mean, there's about probably 25 countries that we have we have um, Irish citizens detained in that we're working with. So there's, um, I suppose you, you generally find it's in countries of traditional you know, areas of emigration for, for Irish people. So the States, Australia, um, they'd be the kind of large numbers, obviously England. Um, and then we also have, have prisoners in kind of, I suppose, unexpected places around the world as well, you know, across across the, the African continent, Asia, Latin America. Right. Um, and obviously for, you know, for an Irish person detained in a foreign country, the, the, the experience is, is very challenging and it's, it's, it's different, I suppose, depending on which country and, and whereabouts you're detained. Mm. But um, I suppose the overseas element brings with it additional challenges, really, um, both for the prisoner and for the family. Yeah. Um, and so Irish prisoners, Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas works to bridge the sort of gaps and the difficulties, I suppose, that, that prisoners and their families experience um, because of the distance that mm. they are detained uh, away from home, basically. Um, yeah. And what kind, of, what kind of difficulties would those be then? I mean, again, it would vary a lot from country to country, but generally speaking, I mean, if if it's uh, there can be language um, barriers, and that's that's a big thing because yeah. if you're trying to deal with the legal system and the you don't understand the language, that's incredibly challenging. It can be really hard for the family here because sure. you know they feel like they don't know what's happening and what's going on. Um, I mean, it's it's difficult even when it's in English sometimes to understand the, le the legal yeah. process but when it's in a different language um, and so that would be a big challenge for people who are detained in, in I suppose across European countries but also uh, for the countries 
further afield where English mightn't be the first language. Yeah. Um, they can face difficulties in terms of, I suppose, the, the conditions, you know, and, mm. and if it's a country where con prison conditions wouldn't be of a standard, let's say, that a, an Irish person might expect, obviously sure. that brings with it huge problems of and course. overcrowding and having to maybe pay for some of the basic things like pay for your cell, pay for water, pay for your food, things that you mightn't ever expect would be wow. the case in, in uh, while you're detained in, in, in a mm. in a country, but in, in certainly in some Latin American countries that would be quite common that you have to pay for all of those sort of basics. Um mm. and I think really as well as that the main regardless of where you are, you know, and mm. it could be this could apply if you're in England or if you're in America or if you're in Venezuela, I mean really the distance from family and friends and from a support network is mm. probably the thing that's most challenging for yeah. the people that we deal with because um you know they may have lived in that country for a little while and they may have friends or family there but very often that's not the case very right. often their family and friends and their support network is is really based in Ireland mm. um and so not having contact really on the ground is, is a big challenge. And that, you know, it, it can be really just in terms of some of the emotional support um, mm. and having that kind of somebody to come in and visit on a regular basis. Yeah. Not having that is, 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 is a really challenging thing. But also in terms of some of sometimes just the practicalities. I mean, mm. in some countries, I think it would be common in, in Spain and maybe even in Portugal as well, like prisoners, there isn't laundry facilities in the prison so family members would be the ones who wash clothes for the prisoners so if you don't have somebody locally that you can send your clothes off to be washed you know yeah. it's it, it, those small things can make a huge impact on your day-to-day -day experience yeah. and on your on your mental health i suppose and your well-being so mm. um it brings with it definitely a range of different challenges and and depending on what country you're in obviously uh, you know those challenges would vary but I suppose the, the distance from family and friends and That's from, like I said, that yeah. support network is really crucial. And um, I, I, I forgot to ask you at the start, actually, um, how long has the ICPO been going and uh, what, was the, what was the reasoning behind it or was there a central figure behind it to, to, to get yeah. it going? Or? Yeah, well, we were um, set up in 1985 as um, basically by the, the Catholic bishops in Ireland right. observed the over-representation, I think, of, of Irish people in prisons in the UK at mm. that time and obviously the context was the troubles and there was a lot of a lot of um detainment of Irish citizens and the organisation was set up really to respond to the needs um of those people because very often family members would be over here and not know what was going on with their um loved one in England and you know contact was very different 30 odd years ago I think nearly yeah. 35 years ago um and so in the early days our organization was a lot of the time spent i think trying to just relay messages between prisoners and families mm -hmm. um and reassure families that they're you know that they're loved one was okay and mm. um and then i suppose as time went on um even though we still would work with a very large number of of irish people in in prison in England um, and they may be first or second generation or they could be Irish born um, mm. I suppose over the years our remit widened a bit to encompass prisoners wherever they were detained around the world and, yeah. and that number has probably as we've started to focus on on a broader reach um, those numbers would have increased you know yeah. over the years so yeah. and I suppose as we've had waves of emigration as well mm. y you know you end up then seeing 
I suppose, a very small number of, of emigrants getting into trouble in, in foreign countries. Yeah. So yeah. even maybe now, you know, when there's been quite a lot of emigration to the Middle East mm. of Irish people, you know, we'd have small numbers from time to time in yeah. those countries as well. Because um, there's massive different uh, cultural differences as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the, the, the cultural differences, the legal systems, mm. um, they're all very, very different. And yeah, that's, I suppose, how a lot of people really end up getting into trouble. They're just not familiar sometimes with the yeah. um, the laws of the land that they're in. Um, yeah. And while that's not a good enough excuse, but, you know, I think, I well, exactly, it, like, you can understand still need to support them yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and in any way we can. Um, so you work quite closely with the consulates then? We do, we do, yeah. We work really closely um, with, with the Department of Fire affairs um, mm. and their embassies and consulates around the world so yeah. I mean in certain countries we would rely on them to kind of pass on information or right. support to the prisoner because sometimes you know you ac we actually can't contact sure. the prison directly um, and so the consulate on the ground would be you know the people on the ground who can who can go in and visit and deliver you know information or mm. materials that that the prisoner needs um, and yeah, uh, um, yeah, I suppose a lot of the time we would support their their work really. I suppose and right. try and complement what they do by, yes. um, yeah, given maybe they can offer a lot of practical support, um, mm. but there's limits to what they can do. And yeah. I suppose we try and you know fill them the other happen. areas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, when you were saying that earlier on about families and that kind of thing, mm. um, so it, it's, it's not just the prisoners you guys support, you also support the prisoners' families back home in, we, in a way? We do, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So that's a huge part of our work because um, I suppose it's probably a bit of a cliche to say it, but when somebody is in prison, the family members are often, you know, almost doing the sentence with mm. them. And mm. when that person is far away from home and when contact is, you know, a challenge, communications wouldn't be as straightforward as if somebody is in a prison, you know, in Dublin or in Port Leash or whatever, um, it's a really, really difficult time for families. And I think a lot of families we work with would experience a lot of shame and guilt. And because the person is, is overseas, yeah. sometimes they don't even really, I suppose, have to share the fact that that person has been in prison. They might just kind of try and keep up the pretense that that person is, um, you know, working yeah. away or something yeah. like that. But that brings with it its own challenges because you're keeping, yeah, you're keeping it very much to yourself. And yeah. um, so I suppose we work with families. Basically, we provide, um, you know, a support service for them, whether mm. that's emotional support or practical support that they need. Mm. Um, and we try and bring families together as well at a couple of times a year where, you know, we'd have a day where families come and chat about their own experiences okay. and maybe listen to some speakers on, um, you know, speak on certain topics. But yeah. really it's about bringing them together to meet other people who are going through it. Similar experiences. Similar experience. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, yeah, I suppose like the, the stigma still around imprisonment is very much there. So mm. if a person, or we, we find sometimes family members mightn't even share it with their wider or extended family or with their own friends. Um, that this person is, you know, that their loved one is in prison overseas. And that's just a really lonely experience. And very often they don't speak to anybody about it. Um, mm. So our service is really there for them to talk to us and, and to, you know, we listen obviously in a conf very confidential, it's completely confidential and in mm. a non-judgmental way. Um, and mm. that's how we work with families really. 
And uh, recently, um, there has been more of an influx back into the country um, mm. from returning immigrants. Um, I, I'm presuming it wouldn't be the same with yourselves because it's it's it's, it's quite. Uh, or maybe I'm mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I presume it's quite random the amount of people that go into prison and come out of prison and, and that kind of thing. There's like no set. Yeah. Or do you? Well, I presume you, you you do see. I think you mentioned earlier on, like for example, when there's a big. Um, uh, immigration from say, Ireland in the 80s and then uh, mm. in 2007, 2008 and that kind of stuff, you, you, you'd probably see a spike for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably fair to say. Um, yeah. But when you're asking in terms of coming home, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that is a bit random because obviously people's sentences are, you know, very hugely um, in length. Yeah. Some yeah. people don't come home, you know, once yeah. they're released from prison. Oh, okay. um, they may stay in that country, mm. maybe because they've been living in that country for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. you know, leading up to the imprisonment. But that's not to say that that's always possible because yeah. even some people that we would work with who, like, they may have left Ireland very young mm. um, and moved abroad with their family mm. but then end up, you know, as an adult getting into getting into trouble, mm. doing a prison sentence, and then they may face deportation even yeah. though the country that they've grown up in, like, even though it's the home, country yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. that they've grown up yeah. in, and so they can be in an incredibly difficult situation yeah. coming back to a country that, like, coming back to they Ireland that they don't know. Yeah, yeah they may have left it, like, as yeah. a three or four-year-old, you know, yeah. um, but they're being forcibly deported, so they yes. have no option but to return to Ireland. And obviously in those cases, most of their support network is actually in the country that yeah. they've, they've been detained in. So... Yeah. Um, we wouldn't have huge numbers like that, but what that does happen. happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's probably happening more and more when it comes to well, the states and that kind of stuff with the undocumented and, uh, and all that kind of thing as well. And, yeah. And um, second generation. Um, yeah. Now, we're not seeing huge... We, we figured that might be the case um, yeah. with, with the states in recent years, but it hasn't actually been been kind of borne out, I don't think, in, okay. in well, thankfully. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not to say, of course, so, like people are deported from the States, mm. but I suppose it hasn't. We haven't noticed a massive increase in in those numbers, um, okay. and I suppose really, yeah, yeah, the focus on 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 deporting yeah. immigrants in the U.S. probably hasn't really focused on Irish. It's on been Irish, on, yeah, 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 it's been yeah, on other exactly. communities. So, yeah. um, just, I'm, I, I'm kind of curiosity, kind of. I, I just kind of, I'm always fascinated how these things work and how mm. organisations like yourselves work. I mean, do you? Once, uh, I mean, how how do you get referrals? I suppose is uh, yeah. from that. Like, I mean, is is it concerned family and friends, or is it uh, the governments be. themselves? It, it varies. Um, rarely now would we be informed by the government of the of the country that that the person is detained mm. in. But that's where I suppose the consular and the the consular support comes in okay. because. Um, under international law, a foreign prisoner is entitled to contact with their consular representative, ah, okay. and so um, they would generally be provided with a means of of getting in touch with mm. their with the local embassy or consulate. Um, and so, when that happens, and when when um, we we would get. If the person would like our support, we would get their information, and and then we start working with them. Um, so a lot of the time, referrals do come from embassies and consulates. Yeah. Most often, probably family, yeah. um, or yeah. concerned friends, or or, or whatever. Um, and then sometimes it can be from maybe a prison chaplain, um, or the person themselves. You know, if they've seen our poster around, or they might have, they might. 
you know, in somewhere like the States or Canada or mm. other countries like that, you know, there might be a couple of prisoners um, of Irish descent or, or, or Irish citizens and they wouldn't, you know, say, look, there's this support agency that can help. So sometimes okay. it's self-referral as well. Okay. Um, it varies a lot. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Uh, great work you guys are doing, really Thank is. You, um, it's, it's It's kind of, you know, even with our own, in our own society, we often kind of neglect our uh, citizens' um, uh, emotional and mental health uh, when they do yeah. enter the penal system, and to have an organisation like yourselves that um, supports um, Irish citizens in, in penal systems globally is just yeah. brilliant. It's yeah, brilliant. well, thank you. It's 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 definitely, I suppose, a service that we feel is 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 beneficial to people. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, when people come back, for sure, we would be recommending that they, you know, every time that a prisoner is returning to Ireland, we would encourage them to visit. Um, mm. Um, their GP for for physical and mental health checks once they get mm. back because even coming home is a huge readjustment and obviously yes. there's the joy of getting released from prison but there's also anxiety and yeah. apprehension and a whole new phase really of, of settling back into life in Ireland so okay. the best uh, you know the better prepared they can be the better it is for everybody for themselves and and, and for their families but also yeah. for society um, you know when they have those supports in place and, that, and that's what we try to do as well so. um, if people want to know more um, where do they contact you yeah well our website is just www.ic cpo.ie so they can visit that for um, kind of a description of our services and uh, you can also contact us directly through that website and then we have our, our landline number is, is just as good to contact so mm -hmm. 01505 3156 if anybody is um, going through a, a difficult experience or knows somebody who is dealing with this yeah, yeah. Okay. Please give us a call. Brilliant. Listen, Kira, thank you so much. Uh, it's really good to have you on, and hopefully uh, a lot of people now around the world will learn more about your services because of today. And uh, fair play, and uh, keep it up. Thanks a million, Martin. Thank you. All, All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, they were brilliant, uh, all those conversations with Crosscare Migrant Project, with um, our Irish Council for Prisoners Overseas, and with Safe Home Ireland. Uh, lots going on there for people um, that are living abroad and that are returning home to Ireland. And uh, just wanted to say uh, thanks to uh, yeah, all of the uh, presenters there and um, for coming on and, and talking about the work, the amazing work they do. And... Um, yeah, and just to say uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, thanks uh, to all the community radio stations that um, that uh, take on the show, um, the Helpling Show, uh, so Connemara FM, Flirt FM, uh, the Castlebar CRC FM, and then Ross FM as well. And, as I said earlier on in the show, we now have uh, uh, Irish Radio Canada. Um, so um, hopefully a lot of the Irish over in Canada will be listening to this and uh, learn that there is a lot of support out there, out there for them if they need it. Um, so yeah, if you need uh, counselling support and you're an Irish person with a current Irish passport and living abroad or you're returning home, 
you can get in contact with us um, at helplink.ie and you can receive six free counselling sessions from our counsellors uh, who are available seven days a week. So, uh, yeah, get in touch. And um, listen, I um, hope everybody has an amazing St. Patrick's Day um, and uh, right across the world. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great month to be Irish, but it's always great to be Irish, but it's an even better month to be Irish now when everybody celebrates us uh, worldwide. And, uh, yeah, um, uh, thanks for listening and uh, keep your head up. I spent my time watching the spaces that have grown between us and I cut my mind on second best all the scars that come with the greenness and I gave my eyes to the boredom still the seabed wouldn't let me in and I tried my best to embrace the darkness in which I swim. Now walking back down this mountain, the strength of a turn and the tide, oh, the wind so soft at my skin, yeah, the sun so hot upon my side, all oh, looking out at this happiness, I search for between the sheets, or oh, feeling blind. To realize all I was searching for was me. Oh, 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 all I was searching for was me. Oh, wow.